0: Hello, and welcome back to Imagine With Us, a podcast that ventures into the imaginations of marginalized thinkers from diverse fields, backgrounds, and identities in order to explore new pathways towards liberation. This episode was recorded in spring of 2022 by Bailey and is a part of the series on radical thinking while working at Stanford. Hi, my name is Anna. I use she, they pronouns. I am currently a sophomore at Stanford University. And I'm a major in comparative studies and race and ethnicity. And I also have a background in ethnic studies, student organizing, uh, and now I work uh, with a nonprofit called National Equity Project on supporting student organizers across the country. My kind of journey to um, radical radical thinking and, and like a commitment to justice began when I was in high school. Uh, I helped found the ethnic studies program at my high school and it was a completely student-led program so um, I worked alongside like a bunch of other students and we taught it to each other and to ourselves for over three years and then we passed it on to like a younger younger generation of organizers and um, I'm so grateful that that um, program is still running at my high school right now. Um, and so when I came into Stanford, I actually came in as a double major in political science and economics, which is hilarious, because like now that I know what political science and economics are like at Stanford, I'm like, barf. <laughs> um, so yeah, I came in thinking that I was going to be political science and economics, and What I quickly, quickly discovered is that I could not exist as someone who was like a person of color committed to the liberation of my community and be existing in those majors in the way that I wanted to. I know that some people are able to do that, but for me, I constantly felt like, especially in the econ classes, especially in the policy classes, definitely in international relations classes, that um, a lot of what I believed was like directly contradicting to what was being taught to me. Um, and like those those two things really didn't didn't coexist. Um, but so yeah, that's what led me, one of the reasons that led me to to CSRE or uh, majoring in ethnic studies. Um, and from my experiences as a, an ethnic studies organizer in high school, um, I got connected to the organization that I work for now, National Equity Project, and my job is really about student mentorship and um, basically helping young organizers as they're getting ready to to create transformation in their schools, specifically around anti-racist transformation.
1: I'm curious, just because like I've heard, um, I guess primarily people of color who are like in like those fields that you mentioned, like, policy, sci IR, economics, like, the concept of, like, changing the system from the inside, mm-hmm. and I'm just wondering, like, what your thoughts are on that sentiment.
0: Yeah, so I'm someone, I used to be very much, like, um, believe that, like, so I'm I'm an abolitionist, that's, that's true, I am an abolitionist, but I used to believe that, like, there was no other way to do it, like, abolition only like if you're not for it you're fake or you know some idea like that and now I, I don't believe that anymore um I do believe that there are certain types of reform within like especially like government systems that matter like um I think about like politicians now like no politician can be truly committed to the liberation of our communities because they have to Either believe or be complacent in certain things to be part of the United States government, right? But I do think that, like, getting people rent relief and getting people food stamps and getting people minimum wage is something that matters now. And so I now believe that those two things can exist. But as for the way that that connects to my education at Stanford, I think. You know, I don't feel like I'm one to judge if other people can truly work within the system or not. Um, I just, do, I know that that's not the place that I want to be. I, I've i been in spaces where it's like, I feel like I'm by myself and I'm constantly screaming at a wall and like no one's listening and nothing, you know, I'm not seeing any momentum. I don't have community behind me. Um, and it's a really, really lonely place. Um, and that's how I felt like at, you know, in poli sci and econ classes, I felt like, um, I, I felt like the realities that I knew deeply to be true. Like when we're talking about like immigration legislation, right. And immigration policy, like the, the narratives and the truths I know from my community are something that are just don't exist in these spaces. And, you know, as much as I try, I don't feel like um, I can make effective change in those spaces uh, but I don't necessarily feel like I'm one to judge others
1: no that's super true I am also curious so just like we keep saying like radical thinking and like mm-hmm. like what does being radical like actually mean um mm-hmm. and sort of like how might you like define that
0: yeah so um this is like everywhere but radical like the 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 origin of the word radical comes from uh, like the idea of roots and like grabbing something at its roots and so that's what i believe is like looking at um the roots of injustice and like being committed not just to like solving the you know like the impacts or like the the symptoms of injustice but being committed to completely abolishing um oppression and so what that looks like for me is definitely like an intersectional lens um between like racism cis heteropatriarchy uh ableism um like capitalism all of these things that i know are deeply connected in the injustice and, and the oppression of my community um and and being committed to changing and completely abolishing those things from you know the, the the root of where it comes from.
1: That's beautiful. I've actually never heard that before, like the roots thing, so. Yeah, that. it's
0: like the, I forgot what the word is. Like, is it called like etymology of the word? But like, you know, the science of like yeah. where words come from, yeah.
1: Yeah, that's so interesting. Like, I'll, I'll look it up later. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> um, so let's see like just like in my own life and in my own work, I like definitely like try and like um, recognize or like name the like influences and especially the people who have like influenced the work that I do, um, just like the way that I think. And so like in that vein, um, who or what inspires your thinking and politic? Um, And then we can start there. And then it's also how has attending Stanford those are different questions. So I'm just gonna
0: yeah. let's just start with that one. Yeah, so I think hmm, a place that I look towards uh for guidance um is definitely of course in like elders and people who have um experienced different types of oppression for, for longer than I have. Um but I also really look towards young people. Young people are some of the most radical thinkers I've ever encountered. Um, So I work with high schoolers and it's funny how uh, like our, you know, like adultist ideas often like lead us to dismiss a lot of things that young people say that are actually deeply rooted in in radical thinking. Um, I remember a couple of months ago, uh, I was like leading an event with students, and we were just like journaling and thinking about um, well, basically things that we hate about school and like things that we wish would change about school, which is one of my favorite questions to ask students because it leads towards this like just radical reimagination. Um, and one of the students was talking about how they hate how there is no like no one will wait for you in school, right? It's like, if you're not there, you're not there and the classes keep going. And if you don't turn in that assignment, the next assignment already came out. And she was talking about this feeling of, of like this constant running and this this feeling that like no one would wait for her. Um, and like, I had never thought about the ways that, that, that's something that we made, like that we created, right? Like we decided that school was gonna be that way and we can decide that it can be different. Um, And so I think young people are so like unattached to status quo, like they have not been indoctrinated into status quo as a lot of, like as long as older people have. And so they're so willing to be reimaginative, and they're so willing to completely um, disregard like what has been done in the past in order to, to envision something that could be even better. Um, and so that's a place that I, I really look towards for, um, for guidance and like inspiration, especially as a, I'm not an older person, I'm only 20 years old, but I've noticed that in my time, since I was like, you know, 15 to now, I have gotten more indoctrinated. Like I have gotten more cynical and like jaded. And so having young people around to remind me that we can reimagine something completely different is is really special.
1: Okay, I love that. That is so beautiful. Um, and sort of now like shifting more towards like thinking about Stanford specifically, um, I'm just gonna like throw like a bunch of questions mm-hmm. at you and you can like sort of just like respond mm-hmm. to like whichever sounds good. Um, but basically, Um, Just sort of thinking about like how things have changed since like you were in high school and doing ethnic studies work. Um, And also like um, if you've seen any changes just at Stanford in general, or like the work that like, if you've seen any of like the fruits of your labor, so to speak, sort of like blossom. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah, well like start there, like sort of like the what's yet to come, sort of like what's changed, what hasn't changed. that's tough.
0: I I struggle to to think about any change that like Stanford as an institution has made. Like I feel like I feel really confident in saying that there have been none since you know I started as a freshman in 2019. Um, but what I have noticed that brings me so much joy is that I. I'm seeing that CSRE, um, like our ethnic studies department, is becoming something that is, there's more commitment to among the student body. Like I have met so many freshmen that are coming in and are like, oh yeah, I'm interested in CSRE. And and right away, like they're making a commitment towards um, this kind of radical space, which I love um, because it means that there's more organizers on campus. CSRE fosters this like incredible community of people who are really unafraid of like speaking up and, and resisting against um, like the problematic shit that Stanford does all the time. Uh, so that's something that I think has changed. I think when I came in as a freshman, I felt like I knew very few CSRE majors. Um, like I, I know when I was a freshman that at the end of my freshman year, there was like one girl that had graduated as um, an Asian American studies major. Uh, so I, I am seeing a growth in our community, which is something that's really exciting. Um, but I also think that there have been some really, unfortunately, like effective tactics that have been used against our student body um, to basically like, disband or, or discourage organizers. Um, And one of them is definitely like the the age out, like Stanford will promise us that they're going to do things and then just simply wait until we graduate and then be like, okay, like, you know, this next generation of students does not know that that's what has been being asked for 15, 20, 40, 50 years. Um, And that's why we need our elders. That's why we needed to stay in community with people who are younger and older than us. Um, But yeah, that's something that, that's tough.
1: Yeah, I definitely I mean, yeah, this is like my fifth year at Stanford and I'm not so deeply in like the the direct action part of things. Um mm-hmm. definitely over time as I've gotten a lot more disillusioned with it, but um Yeah. Yeah, so I appreciate you saying that. Um that being said, <laughs> um what are you excited to see change at Stanford ideally?
0: Ooh, there's a whole lot. <laughs> I think, I think it's hard because Stanford is an institution that is very good at what it does. Um, I think, so I was part of who's teaching us when I was a freshman before the pandemic started uh, and who's teaching us was this org that was basically committed to uh, diversifying our, uh, the faculty and getting more funding and support for the CSRE department. Um, and for uh, the African and African American Studies Department, and so I'd love to see those things come into you know fruition. I don't know if I will, but that's something that definitely matters. Um, I think I think the thing that I would hope to see change most is um, kind of this like commitment among the student body and like a culture shift. Uh, I think right now there's an extremely like capitalist culture on Stanford campus, like, and it's so hard to just exist here as someone who you know is not a, who is an active anti-capitalist. Um, I don't live my life uh, trying to seize opportunities so I can make more money than other people. Like that's not how I live, and that's something that is almost everyone is deeply committed to here. Like talk about CS, talk about startup culture, like talk about you know, the GSB definitely in economics, um, even in poli sci, let's be honest. Um, and so I think that's something that I wish was different and that I, that I hope to see changed. I don't know how that might happen because a lot of the students that come here come from a lot of privilege, um, but yeah, that's definitely one thing that I would hope to, to see like a, a cultural shift. Um, but I also think that on a fundamental level, I hope to see Stanford's administration begin to take the student organizers and specifically like our students of color more seriously. There are massive commitments that the administration makes about caring about students of color, about wanting to make campus a safe place for students of color and for queer and trans students about, um, you know, I mean, there's a huge banner on the front of green library that says no justice, no peace. and I hate that sometimes that feels like as far as it goes. Um, there isn't often a lot of action that comes behind the the commitments that were being made. Um,
1: so yeah, that that's what's on top for me. Okay, incredible. I just wanna, I'm gonna go rogue for one last <laughs> question. It's just like something that I just think about a lot is like, um, you know, there are a lot of theories around like time, like I don't, whatever, time is a thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Doing a whole podcast episode on it. But um, if we think about like time as like a finite thing, like as a student, especially like as a student mm-hmm. of color, who like mm-hmm. students, like as like an activist as well, like you are like a student and like a lot of students from privileged backgrounds, especially like socioeconomically privileged backgrounds. Mm-hmm. That's like all they have to worry about, right? It's mm-hmm. just like being a student Um, but then like if you're also students who are like also working jobs or taking on organizing labor that is like not compensated like how I guess just like how does all that sit or how does that feel or like how does how are you able to like function and like get enough sleep
0: yeah that's so true and hard to like describe um so, I think one thing that i that helps me a lot and like the the concept of like you know aging out and and time passing and at one point like I'm going to graduate and I'm gonna leave this place um, isn't knowing that the idea of individualism and like the idea that I have to do it or no one else will do it um, and I have to do it by myself or no one else will do it is a product of a culture of white supremacy right that's not true like there are people before us that have done this work there are most definitely people that are coming after us that will do this work and so um I think kind of letting go of that ego a little bit and remembering that like even if I don't see anything happen while I'm here like my work is not for nothing my work is is something that lives beyond me and it lives in the communities that I've helped like cultivate and create here. And even just like the people that I've spoken to that are also graduating and going into different parts of, of the world. Um, and so, yeah, one remembering the, the community aspect in that. Um, but I, I definitely, especially when I was a freshman, I felt, it wasn't necessarily imposter syndrome, but this, um, this like invalidation of my type of work. Um, a lot of it was about like me just being an angry person, and you know all of these narratives that we hear a lot about young brown women of color, right? Um, is something that I felt was placed on me by a lot of my peers, um, and I think like something that has given me hope in that is just like the growth, the growth that I've seen in my peers, like. I don't think, I don't think that anyone is beyond saving. And so I think that there there is a lot of of growth that's happening here, even among like my really privileged peers. Um, But yeah, I think, okay, wait, what was the question? How do I balance everything? Um, Oh, I know. Just remembering the things that are like actively white supremacist standards and things that aren't. Um, So like community, that's something that's important to me. That's something that's valuable to me. That's something that I would drop everything in order to tend to. Um, Grades, no, (laughs) grades are, you know, this metric of of what? Like it's not even a metric of my effort. It's not a metric of how smart I am. It's not a metric of how much time I put into this class. the connection the community that I make are like the most important things um, to me here it's about like getting to speak to people who have so much knowledge to share with me it's about like building community communities of people of color who need each other need that interdependence for us in order to to survive being in an institution like this those are the things that matters to me and those are the things that I spend my time on and spending time on things like that is way less taxing than spending time on expectations that are being placed of me, especially when they come from white supremacist values of productivity and achievement and success.